What is going on, DJ Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Generous podcast this week for the 3M Open. As usual, I'm here with everybody's favorite Canadian, Tyler Tambley. Tyler, what is up, my friend? We're back. Another another major in the books, Kenny, the final one of the season. We'll talk about Brian Harmon. We'll talk about the win at Hoylake. Before we get into it, I want to remind everyone very quickly, this show is brought to you and presented by prizepicks.com. If you haven't yet done so, now is the time. Hop on over to prizepicks.com. Use promo code MMN. Get yourself a 100% deposit bonus up to your first $100. Kenny, Triple H, Hunter Hoylake Harmon came through, got the job done. Everyone's calling it boring, but we got to talk about X and Degenerate X today because you you want to follow me, X.com. You can follow me at Totag and Tambo. We don't have Twitter anymore. They've taken that away from us, but we can hop into the open, man. What'd you think? Everyone's talking about boring Brian and uh, whatever. And then the opposite spectrum is, well, the guy couldn't miss a putt all weekend, literally. And so that is a spectacle. If it was a guy that was six foot or taller, maybe they'd say, or a better superstar, maybe they'd say, was it heightism? Was it hunterism? What was going on over there making fun of Brian Harmon all week, Kenny? What's going on? I mean, think about it. was an amazing performance by Brian Harmon. What he did was incredible. Uh, now, any golfer that wins a tournament by six strokes, I mean, there's not going to be any drama, you know, at the end. And that's what everyone's looking for. I mean, like, all my friends were casual golf fans they were hitting me up like this is so boring it's so boring well yeah when someone's whooping that ass by that much it's gonna be boring you know but you have to respect what brian Harmon did because it was pretty fucking incredible uh i mean first off the course you know basically like there was a lot of driver being played but people weren't playing their driver they they hit it in the middle of the fairway they were like all right let me miss left uh, if I hit it in the middle of the fairway, cool, but I'm hitting it in the middle of the fairway with a draw, and hopefully it's enough draw where it goes a- 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 around the bunker and goes into uh, the rough that we had. And hopefully I get a lucky break. Uh, I mean, that rough, there are a lot of easy patches where you can just hit out of that rough and not be like in no man's land, couldn't do anything. So, I mean, I took a little bit of the strategy out, I thought, uh, of the event. But what Brian Harmon did was a little different. He hit his driver every hole every hole he hit his driver okay um and and other guys were laying up the three woods five woods driving irons while he went ahead and hit his driver 290 every single time uh he went out there and and onto the tee box on a par four and a par five what that did was he was probably like one of the long inside the top half of you know longest amount of drives total throughout the round uh, throughout the four days, even though he would be in the bottom half. Like, if you look at his driving act, driving distance um, stats, it's 142nd uh, on tour. Uh, his it all drives, if you count all drives, because driving distance only counts about two to three holes a course, an event, because they, they expect everyone to be hitting driver on that course, on that hole, so they measure the driving distance just for those two or three holes. And that's how they get the driving distance stat. Okay. Now, total driving yardage, there's, I don't, I might have said it wrong, but there is that stat as well. He's like 80th, you know, he's like right in the middle uh, because he uses his driver so much. And that was such a big advantage being able to hit his driver 290, 300 yards every single time and be in the fairway. Uh, that, along with his putting, of course, is, is the way he won. He putted. I mean, he gained almost 12 strokes putting. Uh, he beat Scheffler 
by 19 strokes putting. He gained he gained 19 strokes on Scotty Scheffler putting during this event. Almost 20 strokes. Uh, and of course, Scheffler went ahead, finished third, Tita Green once again. Uh but uh, what he did was remarkable because no, you know, there's only been like five guys who have won the open championship by six or more in the last 65 years. Their names are Arnold Palmer, Johnny Miller, Tiger Woods, and then Shane Lowry and Louis Oosthausen. So those are the five, it doesn't happen that often. The way to dominate an event like that and to do it with no support. Like, okay, if an American is up against Fleetwood, you know, paired up in the UK, you know, you're going to get some shit talk to them. It's it's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? It's going to happen. Uh, but he had, like, no family. Like, his kids weren't there. His wife wasn't there. His parents went on vacation to go hunt for lobsters for this weekend instead of, you know, going to the Open Championship. That's probably how much faith they thought Brian was going to win the event. They went lobster hunting instead of going to the Open Championship to watch their son, okay? He had nobody, all right? And he's out there. I loved when he said on Saturday, when the guy said, you know, he doesn't have the stones to pull it off. He's like, I'm going to show this motherfucker. That, that was... That, that, I was rooting against him basically the whole time. I had him in DFS, Right. Um, but I mean, like, you know, I'm going to see one of the big dogs in or see one of my guys when I had a Hovland ticket. You know, I uh, I bet struck alive later on. Now, but as like the tournament went on and like you heard about all the people talking shit about him uh, in the stands and then you have the the British press going trying to make him into like this America gun crazy, like, you know, <laughs> Like a lot of people in the United States, I mean, but but they were trying to make him that person uh, when all he does is bow hunt like geese and turkeys and deer. You know what I'm saying? He's not going out there doing trophy hunting, killing elephants and giraffes and lions and shit. I mean, I can understand people getting angry about but that, but this motherfucker hunts to to eat. Now, I did talk to some people uh, in the UK. And they said that like hunting is like is like a foreign language to them. They don't understand why people would hunt. And I I don't know if it has something to do with like you know usually the only people that hunt in the UK is like the royals, right? They go on their little hunting trips. You know what I'm saying? And maybe that's why it has a bad rap. Like it's a bougie type thing that 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 people do in the UK. I don't know. You drop a comment. If you're from across the pond, I want to hear your take on why hunting is such a big deal over there uh, and why people don't like it. But in America, there are certain parts of the population where the only meat that they're going to eat the whole year is what they hunt. Now, granted, it's more of the poor uh, parts of the United States, but there's still people like that, plenty of people like that, who literally survive based on hunting. You know, It's not like it was 100 years ago. Uh, but there's still people out there, and you know, a lot of people go out there to hunt. I mean, there's holidays. Like I used to live in Roanoke, Virginia, when the hunting season started. Like people took off school. There were people that took off work. Like it was a holiday. It was like a big fucking deal. And you know, I, and, and and so I guess that's why. Uh, but the the way the British press was like antagonizing about it, it just pissed me off. And so by the back nine, I was full on board. 
I wanted to see fucking Harmon whoop everybody's fucking ass. And he did. The guy's a, I mean, okay, it's cliche by now, but he's a fucking bulldog. Okay, he goes out there. You saw him, no emotion, straight face, going out there, doing his job. One of the most impressive performances I've seen in the major in a long time, maybe since Bryson won Wingfoot. Um, you know, super impressed. What'd you think of the what'd you think of Brian Hart? Yeah, I thought that was you know well said. A lot of the stuff, at least especially with the game plan of what he put together there. I think the thing is, you know, even when it's gonna no matter who it was, I know people say if it was Rory, it was Rom doing that, they would say it was magical and blah, 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 and they've just done this incredible feat, blah, blah, blah. People are still saying that about Brian Harmon. There's certain sides to it. There's other sides that are saying what I believe is that you can call it boring and still recognize that what he did was magnificent. That's how I see it. It was definitely boring because it was just him. There was not much for him to do. It's tough for chasers in that weather, no matter what they do. Like, no one was going out yesterday and going to throw up, you know, like another 63, like Rom had on Saturday, which was crazy. So you you just weren't going to see that. I don't think he was going to make enough mistakes. He would have had to really mess up. It just didn't seem that way, especially after he corrected it pretty early. And once you saw those putts start to drop again, you're like, okay, it's just going to be over. And that's just the way it is. When we had Troon last time, Troon next year, by the way, is where we're going. But last year, sorry, last time at Troon, it was Stenson and Phil down to the wire. So you had both guys. So even though they pulled away and there was a weather angle that week and everything that had happened where you were like, damn, this kind of sucks because this it didn't suck because you had two guys going at it, an American, very popular, and a European, very popular, going at each other the whole way. And it was awesome because making putts off the green, chipping it in, like doing all this stuff that made it exciting. That's the whole point here. It doesn't have, you know, you can say that it was boring or that it wasn't exciting and still call what he did surgical on the course. And the ability to do that with a putter is in- insane. I think he said it best in the interview afterwards, which they continued, by the way, to ask him hunting questions when it was really, he literally had just won the open. I don't know which was more offside. Asking Cam Smith a very relevant question about Liv last year when he won, it was like, yes, it maybe wasn't the time, but Cam Smith has come out and said since, I just didn't want to answer it. The guy probably was asking a good question. It was very relevant. It made sense to the timing. It just, it didn't make sense maybe to the timing that he just won, but it made sense to the timing in golf, the world of golf. This has nothing to do with it. The man just won the open. He didn't have to hunt anyone down. They couldn't hunt him <laughs> down. And in the end, they all want, all he wanted to talk about was that. And he's had to tell the guy, like he said something like hilarious. I, that's what I loved about Harmon. He was him. He's so himself. And in the interview, he's like, no, I use a bow, not a rifle. And they're like, oh, okay, well, what's your distance you can get from? He's like, oh, you wouldn't want to get in front of me from 40 yards. I can tell you that much. He was kind of getting a little pissed off with it, but he still felt yeah. I didn't say I'm going to shoot you with my bow. But he was <laughs> like, you wouldn't want to step in front of me from 40 yards. Let's say that. But he's a, you know, that was awesome. The tenacity, just everything you have to do, the grit to go out and get the job done. We, we love that stuff. I love that stuff. I thought that was great. Uh, other than that, I think there was one other, at least one other storyline, Kenny. I want to get your take on this one because the hunting factor, you talked through it. Uh, it is what it is. In Canada, people hunt. They get their their weight for hunting season. It's tradition. It doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, whatever. People that like to hunt or eat game or do whatever, they get their tag. They're allowed to go out and shoot a certain amount of whatever. And they once they're done, that's their season. But sometimes they'll hang out. Like they'll they'll go on a couple hunting trips. And they may not take that long range shot. And just because to get it now, because oh, maybe I want to go away from the wife and kids for another weekend, uh, you know, up ahead here. So I'll wait. Maybe I'll get a better shot. Sometimes they get nothing. It's the game, the sport of it, whatever it might be. And then to get that meat, that then is a process. You go back and put it together and do all that. But a, what, aside, Is that why you're wearing the camo today? Are you pro hunter with the camo? 
Bro Hunter today, yeah. Bro Hunter. I'm still, I'm still loving what we tipped off the top. Hunter Hoylake Harmon of the Fantasy Golf Degeneration X on X Day. Wow, this is a setting up for a perfect title when we get off of here. But just in general, uh, one more thing I did want to talk about, then you can open it to whatever you want. The, the Rory factor. Rory will, I mean, your boy Brandle, which I, I like him too. He, he takes so much flack. I know you jo- you joked a couple weeks ago on Twitter, like the guy's the nicest guy, all that. I get it. And I, he is. It taking, wasn't a joke. He was. Oh, I know. Super I, nice, I meant, sorry, right? not a joke, but you posted that you'd been with him. He's a very nice guy. Everyone says this. I about sat him. with him for an hour. He oh, has to have walk. his takes on the golf channel. And I get it. And he even was backtracking some because he was sitting next to Brad Faxon yesterday, who works as Rory and was like, yeah, you're not going to say that about him because he's like, his physical game is peaked. He's passed. And he was like, Brad Faxon was like, what? The guy's ripped. Like, the guy's doing fine. He pounds it out there more than anybody. Like, and he's straight with it. He's like, it is what it is. But, the take was basically it's fa- it sounded like there's like basically people are making out that Roy's not going to win more majors and this was it like I don't know uh, why. I think I think what Brandon was talking about was he doesn't have that much time left which is a, a fact he's 36 years old um you know what I'm saying I mean he, he doesn't have uh you know I don't think he has another 10 years of majors to wait he's to, 34 to win years one. Old. He's 34 he's 34, 34 still I mean like you know the prime now for golfers is they're younger is a lot younger. It used to be your thirties was your prime as a golfer. It's not anymore. Now Rory keeps himself healthy. He keeps his body in shape. Uh, he, you know, he, he doesn't get injured too often. So, you know, maybe he has a few, he, I, I, of course he has a few more years left of his prime, but at some point in time, age is going to catch up with him. Uh, and it's going to be a lot more difficult for him to go out. And, and and win these majors. Uh, you know, it's been 10 years. I I, I think he has another one in him, but it, it's going to be a lot tougher the older he gets, and he's running out of time. Yeah, golf is hard. I, I think that's what people have to remember, but I, I guess there was some sentiment, too, around this statement is that after the round, he'd said, he basically said, there were like a, a guy, an interviewer asked him and said, is it just negative people like me, the interviewer said about himself, that think like this, that it's been 10 years or are you good with it? And that's not how you think about it. And you just go on with your ways. And he literally snap answered it and said, nah, he said, I don't think about it like that at all. He said, I think about going and winning my next FedEx cup, my next rider, my mm-hmm. next race to Dubai. And then people give him shit for that. But it's like, I think that is, and I'm not, I'm not even a Rory stand. I never, I never talk good about this guy. I never stick up for him. Nothing. I just think it was funny. Like the instant backlash, the guy's been crushing it in majors. There was a tweet out today, an X, whatever the hell you want to call it. So you it. don't think he deserves any backlash for not winning a major in 10 years. He does. I just don't think. I think it's all piling up for one time. What is he? What else can he do right now? And like yesterday, he didn't choke it away or something. He had no chance. Like he, he just didn't get there. Again, there's only four majors on the year. The guy literally just won the Scottish Open last week. Again, don't compare it to majors. I'm not. I'm saying it's he's playing good golf. You just don't know when your hits are going to come. And I think the mindset needs to be what he has. You need to wipe the dust off and say it's another top ten, and I move on. It's all a legacy thing anyway. People have so many people have zero majors and will never ever get one in their life, and that's just the way it is. There was a tweet out today. I think Kyle Porter posted com- compiling data golf's information, basically saying like X wins versus what they actually won. It kind of made a lot of sense. Rory almost balanced out even. Brooks has a little bit overachieved because he's won more majors than maybe he he could have or should have. But again, comes down to a little bit of luck and variance as well in these cases. And people always want to get on. Oh, he can't close and all this. What if Rory got lucky in some of his earlier majors? Maybe you're not supposed to win them that young. Maybe you're not, you know, those things bounces went his way versus now. And I'm not sticking up for him about the 10-year thing. 
I'm saying people are announcing him as almost as if he's dead when he's got like eight top tens or something or seven top tens in his last whatever. Oh, like, he, he okay. He, he's he's averaged almost sixty percent top ten rate at majors since his last major win, which right? is insane. It's incredible. And the data golf information shows he's still closed as many as he's supposed to. Okay, yeah, I understand that. I understand it, but do you think that? I mean, if he does not win another major, I mean, is his career a disappointment? Does it affect his legacy? Yes, on the pedestal of everybody else. But in the meantime, what we said about when this happened before, he goes and wins the players. And people then, they, you're not getting huge credit for that anymore, but I'm saying he didn't well, win a major. majors are what people judge people on, you know? Sure. But and that's I'm not wrong. When he says that's that not answer, wrong. I don't think that's care. wrong either. Yeah. I mean, the I guy hasn't won a major in 10 years. He sure. won four in a span of three. Okay, and, won, and everyone thought he should have. He's won a lot, lot, of he he's won a lot I, more than most people can do in their whole career. In would their... you rather have Brooks? Would you rather have Brooks' career or Rory's career? Then I'd rather have Brooks. Yeah, it's give a, me it's... five majors. Yeah, I, I guess that's how you look at it. I, I, I bet you Rory wouldn't trade his career for Brooks's. I probably. I don't know. I wouldn't. I if know. I'm Rory, I, I'm, I want to answer this. If, my, if I'm in Rory's shoes, not me, because we don't even play golf. My point is, if I'm Rory, I don't trade my career for Brooks's just because the major caveat that he has. I, first of all, know that I'm right there anyway. I know that I'm one away from winning the the wraparound or whatever. And then on top of it, the career grand slam. And then on top of it, he feels fine. At 34, he answered it like that. And he said, look, man, like he basically said the truth. And I think the reason I take it away is a lot of people that watch this podcast also play DFS or bet or gamble, whatever they do that we want to relate it to. And like for me playing DFS full time, I'm looking at it like it's the same way for me. If I want to win the Millie Maker last week, there's only four. All season long, if I don't win the Millie Maker, I'm still going to get, the, I'm going to try to get the 100K scores, the 200K score. I'm still going to try and get to the live final, win the championship there. Like I, there's other stuff. And those you can call the live finals majors too. So we get a few more majors throughout the sports. But I guess his point was, if he win, what happened? So he just won the Scottish Open. He wins the FedEx Cup. They, they win the Ryder Cup. And then everyone's still going to say, yeah, but he hasn't won a major in 10 years. Go ahead is what he's saying. I hear where you're coming from. I hear where others are. I think he's saying, go ahead and say that I'm still racking up shit. And I still am who I am at 34. It is what it is. Like what he's else? Had can... He's had an excellent career, but it's going to be a mark on him. If he doesn't win another major, if he yeah. won four majors by 24 years old, he's not and, done and though. He's not done. I, I'm just saying if, if he does yeah. not win another major, it's going to be a humongous disappointment. I think his career will be a disappointment. Yeah, and I think four say, majors. I, I think he is still disappointed in himself. He wants to close more of those majors. No shit. He's an ultimate ultra competitor at the highest level, biggest name in the game, that sort of thing. With since Tiger, all those factors. But I'm just saying the mentality and what the original point was, without moving it too far, was saying people acting like he's done because he didn't win another. Oh, chance he's not yesterday. done. He's got chances. It's just the last. Should, major I think. He, I think he'll win another major. Yeah, he'll be right back in the mix yeah. at Augusta. Oh, yeah. I think he'll win it on the mail. Yeah, if people are saying, I don't, I, I didn't hear people saying he's done. I think just people, I mean, maybe you saw that. I didn't see that. The sentiment uh, seems to be not that he can't ever win another one. He's literally 34 and, and still playing great. It's just they keep tacking it on because it's just another year that ends without Rory with a major. That's why I brought it up. And it's fair from that perspective. The only reason I'm sticking up or saying a little bit on it is that I just thought it was a bit much. Some of the angles with Brandle. The conversations around like what what else is he supposed to say? He can't go back and try and win the open again. It's over. You're interviewing him after 72 holes. He has to turn his mind to what's in front of him now to add more to his legacy as he can to then stay in form to come back in April and try again at the Masters when the next major comes around. That's literally all the guy can do is, is keep moving forward.
Yeah, of course, of course. Yes, and he's going to he's going to do it. He's going to be in contention again. I think he'll win another major. But the people that are saying if he doesn't win another major, that you know his career is not as good as what it should have been, is I think they're one hundred percent correct. Yeah, um, I, I think I that think would be true. I just think he has a lot more time than people are giving. Oh him. yeah, I think he does too. That's all. I think, he's, got, I think he's probably got another five to ten years where he, where he can he could be a force and still compete and win another major. I, I I do. So there's still plenty of time for him. I see your point on that. But if he doesn't get it done, it's a disappointment. There's yeah. no doubt in my mind. Uh, a couple of other things before we move on. But going back to Harmon, I thought the the most important stat that Harmon had was he had six bogeys throughout the entire round. He had four birdies on the next hole on on four of those bogeys. Yeah, huge bounce back. And did you hear the stories about about Brian Harmon? The first one about Fowler you talked about last week, where he almost fought Fowler in a college match uh, because Fowler left left uh, the green in a in a in a head to head. Uh, and didn't put the flag back in. It was in, uh, it was after, in the match play of the, of yeah, the yeah, yeah. tournament they and, played. Uh, yeah. and Fowler just moved on and disrespected him. He, I don't mm-hmm. think he kicked his ass. He kicked his ass on the course. No, no, no. I meant like play. he wanted to whoop his ass, like oh, mentally. Yeah. He, he didn't do it, but yeah. And, and so I thought that was a good story. But the story about how he got his nickname in college might have been the most hilarious thing I think I've ever heard in my life. I mean, I don't know if you heard this, but like, I Talk guess uh, it was him, Brendan Todd. I mean, Brennan Todd Swafford, all those guys were on Georgia. Henley, uh, you know, all those guys were uh, Georgia guys, uh, and they were driving a big van to their to their to their match. And like, there was this big SUV just riding their ass on like a one lane one, one lane road. Uh, the SUV finally just passed them, and a couple of miles ahead, they stopped at the gas station and they saw the SUV. Uh, and so, I guess the guy steps out of the SUV and he's like this humongous. Like six foot six, three hundred pound, bald headed, scary looking guy, uh, and Brian Harmon steps out and just just starts grilling him, you know, starts grilling him, and then the guy, the guy says, <laughs> "What are you looking at, cockbite?" Yeah. And so everybody called him cockbite for the rest of the time he was in college. I think that's a great nickname. I'm going to be calling Brian Harmon cockbite from now on because. It's fucking hilarious, uh, but, but yeah, all right. So I yeah, you open. It is what it is. We talked about Rory Scheffler did his thing. Rom uh, again faded on Sunday. Hovland faded on Sunday. Fleet Jesus faded on Sunday. Um, you know, and then you saw the guys who came up. Tom Kim playing, getting back to it. Wyndham next week. Uh, the one worry I have, of course, is didn't he like sprain a ligament? Didn't he pull like a a Dustin Johnson? like a grade like he, one tear or something yeah like, yeah like like, like he slipped. Not, it sound good he, but he played amazing with it he so. played fine i'm just yeah. a little worried about that uh for for the fedex cup playoffs and then you know like i said other guys who i thought played well i mean straka was amazing um you know the euros that all finished top 10 matthew jordan who was the uh, the club member who finished 11th i thought hideki really impressed me i thought sung jm really impressed me um Anything else before we move on from the Open Championship? The, the John Deere Classic? Did, did you see that tweet I posted out? Because that's actually crazy. Spieth wins the John Deere Classic, goes on to win the Open eventually. Zach Johnson goes on to win it. Brian Harmon now goes on to win it. And this year's John Deere Classic winner, Sepp Straka, right behind him, second place this year. So maybe uh, keep that in mind. There's your new narrative, Kenny, is you got to gotta win the John Deere Classic to win the Open. I mean, it used to be the week before. And they 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 take that big ass jet uh, across the pond to get that shit done. All right, so listener league, 
for this past week. Uh, I think we filled it. We got very close. I think we came up. Yeah, I think we filled it. Hold on, let me look. Check and see if if not, it was like twenty four sixty one of twenty five hundred. I, I feel like that's what it was. Uh oh yeah, twenty four. So we were thirty short, forty short. Uh, but still pretty solid work. Um, to get that because it wasn't looking good for a while. We really made a push at the end. And thank you guys for joining. Yes. Uh, make sure you join this week's listener league. We got it up yet, Tambo? Yeah, we got it up this week. Thanks to everyone for last week for that final push to Kenny's point. Not just for everyone that joined, but to reiterate quickly, just so everybody knows, we don't have rake free like mayo, but this is reduced rake and it's a $5 three max. It literally should be the second tournament you join every week after mayo's. And the point is mayo's is $15 three max. If it's outside of your bankroller, instead of putting one in that, you want to join this one for same $15, you can max this one. Why would you not be joining a tournament with less rake? That's kind of the name of the game when you're playing DFS. So if that was misunderstood or not understood or, or explained properly, you should be joining this for that reason. We don't get any secret benefits if you join our group. What happens is we get this tournament bigger for the future majors. This was our biggest, tied our biggest ever at 2,500, which means more prizes. When you talk about Chucky e. T79 in a minute, You'll tell him why there was big, you know, that's part of the reason. 2,500 people, he won 1,500 for first, I believe, was the, the payouts this week, right? Yeah, 1,500. So this week, 1,000 people, 500 to first, $50 to 10th, 17% paid, give or take, and the reduced rake, like always. So it's the best yeah. tournament outside of Mayo's. Go join it. We'll post it out. It's on my X, at Tag and Tambo. You can check me out on there, x.com. Go find me. But anything else, Kenny? And if not, talk about the winner, Chucky T79. Chucky T79 had Hatton, uh, who finished in uh, 20th place, 18% owned. He had Fleet Jesus, 16% owned. Uh, he finished in 10th. Cam Young, it looks like the, the open championship guy. You have to play every year. Uh, 3.5% owned. Of course, he finished, uh, what did he finish? Eighth. And he was incredible, T to Green. He was the best golfer, tee to green. It was it was it was spectacular, but he lost five strokes putt. Uh, if he could just get that down, that would be great. Tom Kim, uh, of course, he finished runner up. He was ten percent owned. Brian Harmon, the winner, ten percent owned, and Jordan Smith, who finished in. 41st, 17, 16% on. What you think in the lineup, Tamla? Yeah, I like the build. I do. Congrats to Chucky T79. The three nine K guys. We're not the most common ones. Obviously, Hatton and Fleetwood were popular, but then mixing in a guy like Cam Young at 3% completely sets you apart from the field. The other thing was, talked a lot about this last week over at ShipItNation.com, roster construction in general, and then with Mayo on the Wednesday show here on the Mayo Media Network, was a lot of builds were landing in that 7K range where people were getting at least three, if not four, 7K guys in some case, whether it was with Rory, whether it was with Scheffler, whatever it might be, uh, Two 9K guys, a couple 8K, or two 9K guys, one 8K, and then multiple sevens. That was where you were landing. In this case, he went down to Jordan Smith, up to Tom Kim, and only landed on one 7K guy. Good news for Chucky T79. It happened to be the best guy in the field to land on, the winner in Brian Harmon. But overall, good build from that perspective. And then overall, ownership was low. Uh, you know, mixing it up with a 17, 16, 16 couple guys right around 10% and then your 3% are to get that leverage at the bottom overall, just a really good lineup. So Chucky T 79 is into the tournament of champions, which we'll have news on soon. And then also the three men with us this week, Kenny. Nice. Uh, yeah. I mean, that Brian Harmon, he had, had Brian, having Brian Harmon, of course, helped. And it is, I'm so bitter about this past week. So if you use my cash game corner, so I had a couple guys in the top 10, all four made the cut. 
Uh, my other two cash plays did not, so I did not cash. Hopefully, you guys did, uh, but I did not uh, in my double ups. The, the problem is, like, I start I, the initial build I had. I had my four cash game cornerstones, and then I had Harmon and Usti. Would have went six or six. Would have easily cashed. Would have cashed in GPPs. All uh, right, and, and so uh, of course I was like, I think I need more upside. So I went Justin Rose instead of Harmon, and I dropped down from uh, Usti to Stenson. Five out of six. I still would have made it. But of course, I was like, I'm not so sure about Stenson. Uh, he hasn't played too many majors here recently. He's missed a couple of cuts at the Open Championship. Yes, he's been playing well at Live. Let me go with a guy who plays over here all the time and has a couple of top 12s at least courses going in. I played you and Ferguson in cash as a punt. And, of course, Rose misses the cut. I don't know what the fuck he was doing. And and you and Ferguson misses the cut. So instead of having six for six with my initial build, which I shouldn't have fucking touched, of course, I go four for six and don't win a goddamn thing. So that was my week. It sucked. How did you do last week? But moral of the story is don't tinker because going to those guys, you just had no need. Like the original build you have is awesome. That you yeah. Harmon and, Harman and Usti. Like rounded Harman out. Harmon and Usti. It was Rory Fleetwood, Connors, yeah. and McIntyre. And then finish with Harmon and Usti would have went six for six, would have cashed. Yeah, really, really, you know, interesting. Just the way it goes, I, I get how it works. I know what you're doing. You're testing your theories and going through them. I do the same and single entry and all that. My main slate, not good. Uh, showdown, really good. Saturday was a, a nice day. Got 30, almost was up there in the main for a while. Ended up getting a, another mega ticket so I can make up for it. My two mega entries did not cash. So that was a, mm, a shitty part of last week. You know, you sucks. get those tickets, you get them in, you want to at least cash. When's the next mega BMW? Uh, I forget if it's BMW, but it's in August. Yeah, they are going to oh, run yeah. something for one of these tournaments. Yeah. I'm hoping yeah. it's the, uh, what's the BMW, 70, right? Yeah, 70, yeah. Sh- should be for that one. So, yeah, I'm hoping that's the case. I got to go look at it after, but I was still happy to get that. It's just a makeup. Maybe I could run it up next time and win the Millie to round out the year. But either way, fun week overall. Like I said, always love the majors. You know, in the end, Harmon ran away with it. Magical performance. But we're on to the 3M Open, Kenny, and I will be there. Saturday, Sunday this week, I'll be on the 18th hole in a booth, in a box with DraftKings. So I'm definitely excited for that. Nice, nice. One of these days, you got to tell your hookup at DraftKings to hook me up too. Make it a two-man trip. Let me go over there and go with you. We will party down. You know how I roll. We know where we're partying next, though. Maybe maybe not the first one, but definitely we're going to be at President's Cup. All right, Montreal, I'm going to be in there. I'm already looking up strip clubs. Already looking up strip clubs in Montreal. We are going to have a blast. All right. Let's get to this week. The uh, PGA Tour heads to Minnesota for the 3M Open from TPC Twin Cities. The first two years the event was held here, uh, it was pretty much a birdie fest. Uh, as the golfers that finished top 10 averaged around 23 birdies a week. Uh, the last two years, a little bit more difficult uh, because of windy, firm conditions. It looks like it's going to play somewhere in between, maybe even be closer to the last two years. Um, you know, because it looks like the course is going to get baked out with a hundred degree weather all week. I mean, we're recording this on Monday at five o'clock. It's raining right now, I think, over there, but they don't see any other rain until Saturday. And it's like a hundred degrees tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, so I would expect the course to be baked the fuck out. Uh, you know, and they'll probably water it, uh, which I would suspect, but we'll see. Um, the uh, the winds don't look crazy, but you're looking at like 15 mile per hour gusts. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, which is like not non-existent. It's going to play a little factor, 
um, here uh, at this course. Uh, Sunday looks like it's going to be a little bit more. I think it's 17 to 20. Uh, and again, I'm doing this weather report on Monday, so everything can change. Make sure you check back Wednesday. Uh, look back at the weather on Wednesday to make sure you double check. Uh, now, this course has also been used on the senior tour uh, in the past, and the old guys like literally crush this course every year. Average winning score of minus 21. Now, the PGA, of course, they adjusted the course a little bit uh, for the big boys, adding about 300 yards of length, 100 mature trees. Uh, they cut down the fairway width. Uh, when the seniors played here, the fairways average the width average was like over 40 yards. So, you know, the fairways are still going to be above average and with even with the trim down. It's not surprising, of course, played easy. Uh, you know, as the PGA, the first couple of years, as the PGA Tour usually likes an easy setup when adding a new course into the rotation. Uh, Hollis Kavner, uh, he's the 3M Open executive. He agreed with the PGA Tour on this one. Uh, in an interview in the first year, he said, you know, during the, uh, he said, we don't want the hardest course on tour. We want birdies and train wrecks. Bogies are no fun. Uh, train wrecks are possible with 27 water hazards on the course, but the leaders the first couple of years were able to avoid this as there weren't too many scores worse than bogey by those that finished in the top 10. Now, again, because of the win, there were a few more train wrecks the last couple of years. You could see by the winning scores, you know, I think it was 15, minus 15 a couple of years ago, minus 17 last year. And last year, there was less than 10 golfers that finished double-digit under par. Um, you know, like I said, with the current weather conditions, you know, on Monday afternoon, I, I still expect the score winning score to be mid-teens. Mid-teens, I think we could see um, as the winning score. Uh, the uh, Now, the course. Let's get to the main course. The, the Arnold Palmer-designed TPC Twin, Twin Cities is a 7,450-yard par 71, four par threes, three par fives. The length of the course is a bit deceiving since the course is played about 1,000 feet above sea level. Uh, all shots will go just a little bit farther than normal, which will cut down the actual length of the course. Also, there are many tee boxes in different yardage locations, so the PGA has free reign on how long or how short they want the courses to play each round. Uh, the par fives are on the longer side, but golfers with above average length could reach in two uh, due to the altitude giving the ball a little bit more juice. The par threes will be some of the most difficult holes on the course. Uh, all but the par three fourth hole will play over 200 yards. The par fours vary in length with two under 400 yards, four between 400 and 450, and five between 450 and 505 yards. Um, scoring will need to come on these par fours for golfers to be in contention. Uh, of the golfers in the top 10, the first two years, the majority shot minus seven or better on the par fours. Uh, now, the last two years, the par four scoring wasn't as good overall in the top 10, but it was still strong compared to the field. Now, off the tee, golfers will see tree-lined fairways that are above average in width with fairway bunkers in the landing zones and water in play on many, many tee shots and approach shots. Uh, strokes gain off the tee. Looks like it was a fairly important stat in 2019 as eight of the 12 golfers in the top 10 gained at least 2.2 strokes off the tee. And Bryson and Wolf, of course, a couple of the longest guys out there, finished top two. Um, the, then three years ago, Thompson and Long finished top two. Both weren't anywhere near the top of the field in strokes gained off the tee, but relied really heavily on their putter. Uh, the last two years, once again, we saw strong off-the-tee numbers for the leaders. Uh, I think approach game, especially from 175 to 200 and 200-plus, birdie-making prowess, strokes gain off-the-tee, and good drive percentage are some stats that I think we should key on this week. 
Uh, the trees aren't bunched up like we see on most East Coast parkland courses, and there is a lot of room between the edges of the fairway and the tree line. Uh, golfers who miss the fairway will most likely have to deal with two and a half to three inch rough, uh, though if they miss wildly, they're going to have to deal with trees and water. Uh, on approaches, golfers will see greens that are above average in size. The greens are fairly flat, surrounded by rough bunkers and water, with most having a runoff area only in the front of the greens. Uh, the grass on the greens is pure bank grass, stint meter rating, 12, 12 and a half. Tambo, what are you looking for in the golfers this week? Looking at a lot of what you talked about there, I think you know, I'll get the stats up just going through them. You talked about good drives, talk about again, one of the things at this place, but for, forget stats for two seconds. The the possibility of the high variance that we're gonna have here with the wit with the water. You talked about it, if it bakes out a little bit. Like last year, I think it was only one guy. I think it was Fina was the only guy, all four under 70. There's you know, there's definitely the blow-up holes you talked about, the train wrecks, that sort of stuff. And then the overall fact that you know, usually in the first couple of years, there was a lot of birdies. Last couple of years hasn't been as many. It was what we talked about pre-show, just going back and breaking it down a little bit as we were on here live recording. So really going to come down to strategy. Want to see where the ownership goes. It is pretty interesting because we do have sort of that setup where a bunch of names at the top that we could make a case for. The middle range, though, is where you're taking your stabs on guys that you want to go. Do you want to go back to a Hadwin, a Glover, a Poston, guys like that? And then at the bottom, the 6K range is, is back to normal and, and everything like we had before last week. And by the way, too, 7K range, Kenny, Back up to almost 50 guys versus last week, remember, was only 30 guys total with the with the change in pricing. So this week, nobody under 6K, nobody over 10.9K. That's going to shake some things up, but we can get into these tiers. We've got Cam Young down to Matsuyama. What are you doing up top with the Matsuyama? M, you said really impressed you last week, and then you got Finau last year's winner and Cam Young, who you also said top in the field last week, right? On approach, I think T to green in general, off the T, just absolutely crushed it. So what are you doing in this upper range? Hideki's going to be my first cash game cornerstone. He has a top 10 here in the past. He did withdraw here last year, but I'm not worried about that. Uh, again, his 13th place at the Open Championship really, really impressed me. He is not a good Lynx player. Uh, he has a horrible open track record. And to finish top 15 at that event uh, with that field, uh, I thought was really solid. That was enough to make me go ahead. And his prices. Very affordable uh, at $10,000. You're not breaking the bank uh, to go with them. You can have three guys above 9K and still be able to make a pretty decent cash lineup, which is what I did. What I'm going to do with this, in these non-designated events, I have been having a little bit more success compared to these elevated events because what I've been doing is I've been going, you know, top heavy with a punt. Uh, that is what I'm doing. I'm going with three studs. Uh, up top, who I think can win, and one punt play as my cash game cornerstones, and then fill it out with a couple of guys in the 7K range. That's how I'm going about cash this week. Uh, and, and Hideki, he fits everything that I am looking for. Number two in my model. Um, good drive percentage. If you guys are unfamiliar with good drive percentage, we don't talk about it that often on the show. Um, it is driving accuracy mixed with greens and regulation when you miss the fairway. Uh, very good stat for a week like this where there's so much trouble off the tee when it comes to water. Um, and uh, Hideki, of course, top 10 uh, in this field, eighth in good drive percentage. Uh, I do like him. Also, first in strokes game, par four scoring. I did talk about how important par four scoring is at this event the first four years. Uh, he is the best uh, in this field. Um, also very, very good, of course, with his longer irons. You do see a lot of long irons here because of the three par threes, because of the longer par fours, and because of the long par threes. Um, you're going to see six to seven, uh, you know, 
uh, shots from 175 plus, uh, maybe even more uh, if they if they decide to, uh, uh, you know, really go for it on the par threes. Uh, so I, I like Hideki. He's going to be my first catch and cornerstone. I really like Sung J.M. Like I said, same type of narrative that I have for uh, Hideki. Again, the guy who has lost a half stroke to the field every single round he has played in links. So he's averaging negative half stroke to the field per round on links courses. And to go out there and finish top 20, uh, it shows me a little something. Um I have Tom going out there uh, and finishing runner-up maybe gives him a little motivation and eh, that's sort of a meh, meh narrative. But I do like uh, Sanjay a lot this week. Those are the two guys I know I'm playing. Outside of that, I- I'm thinking about Cam Young, but if we're seeing like 23 25% Cam Young, I, I think it's a-, it's a pretty easy fade for me, and hopefully he just hits it in the water 17 times. Uh, when he does that, yeah. uh, but th- that would be my hope. Uh, what do you think, Tamo? Yeah, definitely possible. Yeah, the interesting part, like Hideki definitely stands out on paper. You talk about all the stats across the board. You pull anything, just go what he's been doing lately, top five in almost everything out there that we were looking at from your stats perspective. Like I said, even number one in those par fours, really impressive week last week. You know, it looks like the injuries could be behind him, hopefully. Obviously, the game is better when Hideki is healthy, so would love that. I, I like the Sungjae factor, too. The thing I worry about is with the, where the narratives go. This week with those two up top, Kenny, like Cam Young, it's all the stats off last week. I think people didn't want to bet Cam Young at 14 to one this morning when they woke up. So they would rather play him in DraftKings. He's 10-9. He's easy to fit. There's so many punts you can fit him with. I'll talk about the alter ego of this later on. I mentioned this all the time. People say, do you ever bet a guy and then not play him in DFS or vice versa? I don't think people loved waking up this morning and betting Cam Young. I think they'll love to still play him at 10-9. And the reason is the stats make sense. From last week, he's got his game back. A little bit. People are going to look at it from that perspective. Now he's in a much weaker field. This is a time to go out and get your first PGA Tour win. By the way, shout out to the Batman. I like to call him. Akshay Batia got the job done last night in a playoff over Patrick Rogers. We forgot to mention that earlier, but talking about another guy to go and get his first win, Cameron Young should be fired up for that this week. Sahith, another guy down there. Lots of guys, but a couple that come to mind are at least those two. now coming off a miscut, but the win here last year, the fact he plays so well in these weaker fields as a whole, all of that, again, it feels like, at least to me, my guy Sungjae is going to go overlooked. I know he's overpriced. I don't mind that. Again, people will perceive it as overpriced because you're paying up at 10-3. But in this field, I mean, this might be what, what Sungjae needs. He needs to get into a field now after a great showing last week in a tough field at a hard course. Maybe now he hops in and gets after it in a, a field that he can beat, a weaker field, and an easier course. So, I got no problem with Sungjae. I like your decky call, and then we'll see what people do with those guys up top. But this week, I'm definitely willing to embrace the variance, Kenny, because in, in the end, anything can happen with this much water out there, the hazards, if it's baked out, anything like that. And it's also the week after a major, Kenny. So I think that's another thing we got to remember where people can just get lazy and just click whatever's easiest. What did the stats say last week? Bring it across and go with it. I think that leaves a lot of guys open where you can get some really talented golfers at some fair or low ownership. So let's get to the 9K range. The big question, of course, in the 9K range, what do you do with Justin Thomas? Tampa, what are you doing? You playing him or not? Haven't decided, but 9,300 is pretty fair, to be honest. Yeah. He has to. Uh, this was another thing we didn't talk about with the Harmon, the Ryder Cup factor. He played his way in now. He's, as of now, again, he has to get through the whole playoffs and hang on up there. But there's a guy that, like this guy who you're talking about, Justin Thomas, man, he's making it really tough right now on Zach Johnson. He has got to do something 
down the stretch, but he looks completely lost. Like last week. Well, here's he- the thing. It's not even just the Ryder Cup. He's 76 in the FedEx, FedEx Cup. Cup. Yeah, that, that's a, that's part of it too, obviously, why he's yeah. here. I mean, why ho- he, by the way, hopped into the field. I mean, you know this. I'm sure most do, but he hopped into the field last minute because yeah. of the situation. So now he's got to grind through it and play through it. So will he? I don't know. There's a lot of other guys in this range, but it, it is interesting depending on what the ownership ends up at because don't you think people are going to play Straka again? Grillo yes. again, yes. Aberg again, like a Woodland yes. is getting love. I get it. Like it oh, makes sense. Woodland's getting love. That sucked because he was my sneaky play in the nine K. I do love some Gary this week. They can't all be owned, but I'm just saying when you look at it from, you know, when he played here two years ago, 11, what, you know, last week didn't do anything crazy, but I know people were betting him at 33. So sometimes that does translate over at least a little bit. It'll be spread out here though. I think there's one guy that I'll talk about in a minute that most won't go to here, but what else are you doing in this nine K range? So just 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 talking about Justin Thomas real quick. I mean, he did shoot that what 84, 83 or whatever he did on the first day. But he shot even par in the second round. Which it was like almost his two he gained two strokes on the field total. Um and there was a nine in that eighty four. He had to one up exactly. his boy Ricky Fowler after Ricky posted the the snowman on eighteen. Justin Thomas said, Let me let me do one better, Ricky. Let me let me give you a nine real I quick. Thought it was so an it eleven. Was... was it a nine? Okay, maybe, it was pretty maybe it bad. was worse. I thought it was the <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty bad. Uh, so I, I, I think I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, uh, we'll see. His ownership is going to be really interesting. I, I have no idea what people think about what he's going to do. I can't wait to see the ownership projections uh, on Wednesday night. But my second cash game cornerstone, I'm going with the with the with the youngster. Uh, we've seen younger guys come out here uh, play well. I mean, Shambo was sort of known by 2019 uh but wolf was in there you saw him come in win this event uh not win but come in second at this event and i think i like i like aberg's game off the tee uh because he's long-ish and, and he's fairly accurate uh i really like that uh about him and, and he's and he's and he's uh you know what is he above average uh, with his approaches. But, I mean, if he can get that, if he can hit it 315, 320 uh, off the tee and hit fairways like he did a few weeks ago, like, I I think he has a really good chance. He's only missed one cut while he's been on tour. Uh, I think the future is bright for this kid. I got no problem using him on an easier course, easy-ish course. We'll see how it actually plays out. Uh, but, you know, of course, where you, you can get 20 birdies, 22 birdies uh, in a um, – uh, in a in a four in a four day round, so I I do like uh, Aberg, and I thought the you know again one of the strongest people off the tee scores a lot of DraftKings points, above average putter. Uh, so he's going to be my second cash game cornerstone. I, I got to go back to Giuseppe and GPPs. The guy is playing exceptional golf. He's actually the ranked number one in my model, which I've never seen Seth Shocker be number one in a model before, but he is. His iron game has been strong. Tons of birdies, lots of DraftKings points, really good on par fours, fourth in good drive percentage uh, in this field. Uh, really love him. And again, like I said, I like Woodland. Uh, this week again, another guy who can hit it long with a really good good drive percentage. If you just wanted to make uh, a stat model with stroke scan approach, stroke scan off the tee, good drive percentage, and birdie or better, you could just do that. That would be good enough. Me, I like to make these mutant, crazy, insane type models of like 
different stats from like different periods of time. It's some crazy shit. That's the way I like to do mine. But a nice simple model, you can do it with that. And I, you know, Woodland, long, good drive percentage, solid, iron game, excellent. Off the tee, of course, he's great. One of the probably the best in this field with long irons from 175 and above. I really do like Gary Woodland. I thought I didn't like his number. I I was I might change my bet. I might cash out. I had Glover, uh, thirty-five to one, which is a horrible number, but he's playing so well that I might switch that to Woodland. Let's see if they let me cash out. Uh, but those are the guys I like in the nine K range. Who do you like? Yeah, I was just gonna say the the other guy I was gonna add. It's like you just said that line is what I was talking about earlier. Where with Steven Yeager, I woke up and I saw he was like thirty-five to one. I'm not sure. Why the guy also doesn't win? So why would he have the same odds as guys that win, like you talked about with with Woodland, a major champion, all these other factors, regardless of the timeline and when it was? But for me, with Jagger at ninety one hundred, I mean, maybe maybe people play him. I don't know. But when you see the ninth at the the John Deere, the thirteenth at the Rocket Mortgage, and but then you see ninety one hundred dollars, a lot of people probably frown at that price point. I would have to guess when you've got. JT, Gary Woodland, Aberg, Straka, Grillo, all those guys. And then when you get down in that upper 8K range, people are talking about Hadwin, Digala, Keith Mitchell, all these other dudes. So not the best showing at the CUDA from uh, from my guy Jaeger. I think it was like 30th or 34th or something like that. But in general, uh, a guy I always like to play, and I think his game can set up well for him. He's been really good on approach. And the stats look pretty solid as well. Top 15, top 20, top 10 in a lot of the stats. Look at 11th, par 4, 10th in birdies, top 20 in approach. And the, uh, some of the proximity ranges and stuff like that. So I just think in general, Jaeger could be a guy here at 9,100. And if people are That's playing, just your dude. You love some Jaeger. I want to get you I, a Jaeger machine. If, if it was that. You pump that the Jaeger during the show. But that would be. that. We should get that sponsored, by the way. But that would be uh. if I when I was talking about Sung J.M. Because Sung J.M. outside of last week, there's not a lot really to go off. I mean, second year last year, I guess people could go off of that, maybe. But he's also 10-3. What I'm saying is I don't want to bet. Jagger at 35 or 40 to one to win this tournament. So I'll have to get my exposure in playing him at 9,100. And I'm hoping that because he's outside of the best buy pricing, he's a $910 TV, not an 899 TV on the shelf. People are like, I'll just get that one for 899 over there. That's what I'm hoping happens. And in that case at 9,100, I actually like Jagger. So he, he's a guy for me, Straka still looks really good. And then Aberg, like you said, if he hits fairways, like he has been doing, how is he not just in the mix? And these guys are just playing so good right now. Guys like him, ADDC, again, another top seven or whatever it was on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, the guys at the Barracuda that we saw up there that were in the mix, like the Gerards, uh, Batia going to get in the win. Like all these young guys these days, man, they're just ready to go and good to play. So I, I don't mind your Aberg call either, even if he does get steamed a little bit. Also, Straka is another Cascade Cornerstone. So those are my three Cascade Cornerstones up here, Straka, Aberg, and Decky. I'll go on to the AK range, Tambo. Yeah, also, uh, JT just committed to the Wyndham as well. So he's already locking down for next week also. So he's really hoping to put something up. I just saw the tweet that he... I mean, how embarrassing would it be if he doesn't get into elevated events next year? Yeah. You got you got to make it to the... You got to make the top 70, right, to play in the elevated events or something. Something like that. I don't even know. Like the top 50 for the guarantee. Yeah, something something like that. Something like that. Because that's what uh, Mark Hubbard's brother, Nathan keeps saying how it's like, oh, if he, you know, my brother's in the top 50 to 70, but he might not still get in and he's really in a bad spot. It's like, well, I mean, he, he creates his own destiny, first of all. Second of all, he's got lots of opportunities. So he's still going to get a lot of tournaments that he's going to get to play in. And he's in this range. So we can talk about him. I actually like Mark Hubbard. Talking about him right now at 8,300. Glover should be popular at 8,200. Norman just won. 
Uh, he got the job done last week, Vincent Norman. And now this or this past week, he was at the Barracuda and he was in the mix. I don't know where he actually ended up finishing 25th, but the win the week before was pretty incredible stuff down the stretch. So a uh, hustler made some really good shots this week in the Cuda. I was watching that after that was the nice thing about yesterday. Once the open ended, you could watch a, a great little finish here with this tournament, but spawn the gala had I think are all going to be, you know, interesting plays up there. Rogers feels like a lot of heartbreak after he got the old Paul Casey on the, the last hole right into the divot and then couldn't do anything with it. Like Paul Casey at the players hate that rule, but you know, it is what it is. So probably the gala, maybe spawn. I like Poston Hubbard. And then I think everybody likes Glover. So four or five guys for me in this range, Kenny, what are you doing with this AK range? Yeah. When we get to the AK range, that's sort of like Hadwin, uh, sort of a sneaky guy. Again, good drive percentage is solid. Uh, really good on par fours. Um, doesn't make too many big mistakes. Had a runner-up less than a month ago. Uh, so I do like Adam Hadwin. I like Killer Keith. Again, another one of those guys who can hit it long with good, good dry percentage. Uh, looking at that with his miss, a couple of missed cuts in a row, I'm not going to look too far into that. I guess one of them was the Scottish uh, Lynx course, and then the other one was he had to fly back from Scotland uh, to Reno. Uh, to play last week in the Barracuda and missed the cut as the favorite. I think he'll be very low-owned. Uh, I like him as that low-owned uh, play down here. Maybe a, a good pivot off Lucas Glover, who is going to be popular. I mean, the guy has three straight top sixes. Uh, there's no doubt that he'll be a popular play. Um, JT Post has been playing very well. Also, this AK range is not like dirt dirty guys like shitty guys i mean jt's got a chance he's won a couple of times on tour um i i, I like he's been playing very very well here recently um so i do like him um what about the 7k range let's move on i know aaron rye is going to be the popular play yeah. um i can see that um i like nikolai hogard uh really good finish uh you know pretty solid at the open championship this past week um i don't think many people are going to play him i think I think him and Pendrith would make good pivots uh, off of a popular Aaron Rye. Um, I like Cameron Champ. He's played uh, he's a couple of good finishes in a row his last couple of times out. He's played well here before uh, in the past. If he can hit that driver straight, I mean, look out. He's going to have wedge or, or the short iron into a lot of these greens, give him a big advantage. Uh, so I do like him. Uh, Ryan Fox impressed me last week going like – at one point in the first day, he was like seven over par. And he ended up making the cut and finishing plus one, sort of similar to what Hatton did uh, at the U.S., uh, either the U.S. Open or the PGA Championship, where he had a really, really poor first round, but just started, you know, grinding his way back, uh, uh, you know, round after round. And uh, I like seeing golfers do that after a really poor showing. It's To me, it shows that they have, like, good mental fortitude. Uh, and so, yeah, I like Ryan Fox. Tambo, what about up top here? Yeah, Hoygaard is in the battle with Aberg, they say, at least, for the last spot for the, the Ryder Cup. So it's something to think about there. And he's 7,900, so a, a much cheaper version. The one note on the 8Ks you talked about, I think the 8Ks are pretty similar to the 9Ks, surprisingly, even though some of the names in the 9Ks will stand out more when you got the JTs of the world and all that. But there's guys in the 8Ks that have been playing much better than JT at, on all facets of the game. Like when you look at it from the um, perspective of who do we mention there, like uh, JT Poston, who you just talked about, who's coming off like a 6th, 6th, 11th, 54th or something. Like these are all guys that you could still play. And it's not saying they're going to be as good as them this week, but just to say, if you want to build that way, I would have no problem with it. I like Hoygaard. 
think Eric Cole, who I never play, so this will probably be bad for me, but uh, stats-wise, looked just incredible across the board. He's still there at just 7,800. Batia, this fits for me because, again, he was like he's young. You, you would always joke about how these guys go out and party right away. I don't know, man. Like, he seems pretty grounded. Got his girlfriend. He said they don't drink. He said we don't drink, but we might have a little something tonight to celebrate. Like, it's not like this guy's going out and just getting completely shit-faced. He's proven already what he can do. Obviously, you know his story. And if he was priced, like, if he was priced in last week, this would actually be a pretty good price. So 7700 I actually don't mind it. And then you mentioned Fox, so I think it's at least a little bit interesting. Hoagie and Suh, you know what you're getting, boom bust. You could take your shots on those guys, but not much else for me in this upper 7K range. I think I and many others will like this next range of like Ekro, Doug Gim, Lee Hodges, all these guys that you can find good upside with. TPC Lee, who are some of the guys 7,500 down to 7K that you like? Yeah, I mean, Ches Reevy interests me. Kate Lee interests me, but I really like Doug Gim. You know, he had that really nice run of play. Uh, you know, the last couple of months he's played well here uh, in the past. So I, I can get behind him. I like the fact that he doesn't make too many big mistakes, especially off the T10th and good drive percentage, uh, top 10 in bogey avoidance in this field. Um, I do like that about him. Uh, so I, I like uh, Doug Gim. I'm playing all the Koreans. Like, you know, TPC Lee, I'm going to go back to him. Uh, this week, uh, it's just this one's more just of a feeling. Um, uh, you know, when it comes to his stats, he hasn't looked good, but the guy is a two time winner on tour, uh, and he's 7,300 in this field. Uh, and, and the and the events, the two events he won, of course, is in the same place, you know, low scoring type uh, uh deal that you're going to get. We'll see how low scoring, but I mean, this is not like a, a super grind like we've seen at majors or some of these elevated events. I mean, people are still going to be able to get their birdies out there. It's just how many of how many doubles uh they're also going to get because of all this water. Uh so I do like him. Grayson Sig, uh, another guy I like to Sig, always been a fan of his. He's gonna he's right now in my cash lineup again, another guy who's been playing pretty damn good golf uh here in the last you know six weeks or so uh i do like him uh who do you like in this range tama a few others uh peter quest we've been playing him a little bit he, he didn't have the best week last week but before that he's got a fourth and a 17th so i think again another boom bust guy uh lee hodges who i talked about definitely like him sam stevens is there i bet Reevy, so you can play him 7300 is a fine price i'm more worried more an insurance bet for me. I'll talk it when we get to the betting segment, but just been betting him. This would be the spot that you'd come out and do it, and it would just kill me not to have it. So I had to take him at least one more week. Uh, Ryan Palmer had some stuff pop for me when I looked. Again, coming off two missed cuts, but before that, a couple 33rds. Got a 31st here last year. Don't mind him. Grayson Sig, you brought up. Kevin Yu makes birdies. Can play a guy like him. Uh, Matthew Neesmith. I don't know if I can keep going to him, but 28th and 35th. 28th last week is not the worst, so... Uh, maybe he's found something there. Davis Thompson showed up for me a little bit, so I don't mind him. And then your guy you always talk about, MJ Daffy or MJ Daffu, 24th, 35th, 16th, 34th, made the cut here the one time he played it at 7,100. You could do worse. So I don't know of too much else. I guess uh, Dylan, Dylan Wu at 7,000 even could be another guy you go to there, but there, there's a lot of guys down here and they can't all have some type of crazy ownership. So I think this is where you get different this week, Kenny. Sounds good. They get to the 6K range. The two, the two Koreans up top, I'm playing S.H. Kim. 
Um, again, this is more of a field play, but he's definitely good on longer par fours. You're going to get five or six of those. Uh, well above average from 175 to 200. Um, you know, and, and he's uh, he's sort of sneaky long. I didn't realize how long he was, but also well above average and par four scoring. Michael Kim, uh, again, another guy up there who's, again, sneakily long, well above average in driving distance, but top 20 in driving, uh, in good driving percentage. Uh, so I, a good drive percentage. So I do like him again. Another guy who plays well uh, on par fours, um, you know, and avoids the bogeys. Top five in bogey avoidance. I really like Michael Kim uh, this week. Other guys in this six cranes, six K race. Kazire's made the cut here uh, all four years. Uh, he's someone that you might be able to look at when it comes to just course history. If you're a course history guy. My final cash game cornerstone is a course history guy, straight up course history. It's going to be Bryce Garnett at $6,500. He's made 65% of his cuts this season, and he's made all four cuts at this event, never finishing worse than 31st. I'll take that for my punt play. So my cash game cornerstones for this week are going to be Sungjae at, uh, no, I'm sorry, Hideki at $10,000, uh, Sepp Straka at 9500 Aberg at 9,400. And of course, uh, Bryce Garnett at 6,500. It leaves you 14,500. You might possibly be able to put in, you know, light the Sig and Revy and make it all six if you'd like. Uh, that's how it is. Uh, we'll, we'll see if I end up that way. Uh, but, you know, yeah, that could be somewhere where you want to go. Uh, other guys, I mean, if we're going down to Ryan Armour, another guy. Good dry percentage, very, very strong. One of the best in the field, $6,500. I think he's played here before. I think he's done okay. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Who do you like in the 6K range? I think it's a, for me, it's just going to be a bunch of guys. If you're, if you're going down here that are, you know, played last week at the CUDA, coming in with a little bit of form, you know, like D Joel Damon is right there at 6,800. Uh, you know, who's some of the other guys here? Uh, Ryan Gerard, fifth last week. James Hahn, sixth. Last week, these are just additions to stuff. James Hahn actually came fourth here last year, got six last week. He was right in the mix, playing a little bit better. He's 6,800. Uh, and then the, the flow chart is back. 6,900 bucks, Troy Merritt. Is he cheap? Yes. 69. Is he playing? Yes. Is he cheap? Yes. Is there a lot of birdies to be had? Maybe not a birdie fest to your point. Can he make year, a but... cut? How many missed cuts is he had? It has to be an amazing amount. Nah, he's fine. He's actually, what's funny uh, you know, everyone's going to say that. Hopefully they do, because go back and look. He's basically Steven Yeager for 6900 bucks. He finished 17th and 17th at those two events, the, the Rocket Mortgage and the John Deere, where I said 9th and 13th were good for him earlier. Uh, Steven Yeager, 34th last week. Troy Merritt, 50th. It's not good, but just saying he's same as him. And at this event, 7th, 39th, and 49th. Three of the four made cuts, including the two last years. 6900 All he has to do is find a putter. It's been the thing. I know the yips that people talked about. Scottish was tough, but 17, 17, the 50th, the three of the last four. I don't hate it. Again, I'll just continue to play my guys. Trevor Cohn, people are talking about. I like Lipsky. He's a guy I always play. Uh, he had a pretty good week last week, too. I think he finished 34th. Same as uh, same as Steven Yeager up top there. Carl Yuan, he he can make birdies. We've seen that plenty of times already. So I, I think Tyler Duncan, another guy I always play. Robbie Shelton. I do like I'll do like T-Ducks this week. I'm a fan. Yeah, What's he been up to? He's, he's my guy I always play, but... Uh, 47, 61st. Like he doesn't even have as good a stats and numbers as Troy Merritt. But I just, I always play Tyler Duggan. Maybe he's a better first round leader bet, but just to say it. And then what's Kevin Tway been up to? Not much. So uh, not as enticed there. I like your Garnett call with the with the course history. And just again, hasn't even been 
the worst. If you go back and look, he's got a 33rd or 47th in two of his last three. So just to keep that in mind, he's another guy you could go to. What did uh, Kevin Roy get up to? He's a guy we've been talking about a little bit lately. 20th last week. Again, not going to play all these guys, but just to say it. And then where did we see Zach Blair get second? He's a guy that I thought of immediately. I feel like we haven't seen him since, but maybe he's played events and I just don't recall. But is he is he playing this week? Yes. Okay. It was a second at the Travelers. Then some missed cuts at some of those easier events, though. So it worries me a little bit from that perspective. But again, not saying you got to well, go. Travelers was a designated event, so it was. Shit, that, that was probably, why it was a big deal for him. It that was that like probably got his player. ass into into the playoffs. Yeah, it's huge for him. He got yeah. the biggest paycheck he's ever made for like a career, I think, or sorry, a season in like one event or something. It worked out. I forget what the numbers were, how they broke it down, but it was definitely a huge event for him. But Robbie Shelton maybe was the other guy might have said him already, but just going back, I was just pulling up his stuff to see real quick. Uh, Nothing crazy though for him either. So like, again, some of these guys are just popping. I'm thinking a little bit different on some of these guys, but I I don't think I'm going to go crazy down here with how many guys we mentioned in that low 7K range where we know in the sevens, the ownership is basically Doug Gim, Eckroat, Aaron Rye, and then pretty dispersed and pretty light on some of those guys at the bottom. So I think you're fine without even having to go in here for the most part. Yeah, I agree. Those three guys are probably going to be the high. And Chaz maybe Chaz could maybe, be up yeah. there. Chaz could be popular in the 7K range. But outside of those four guys, I don't think you really do have to worry about too much ownership unless somebody really gets steamed up uh, as the week progresses. We'll have to see. Um, anybody else? So let's move on to bets. So um, my betting card, I've only made three so far this week. I'm going to add some long shots. Uh, by the end of the week, but I picked three guys up top. I went um, Hideki twenty to one, Glover thirty five to one, which is a horrible number, but I'm betting it anyways. Uh, and Woodland thirty five to one. Yeah, I got Glover early. I missed the sixty six, but I got sixty. All these are with eight places. So Glover sixty, Eckroat eighty, Gim ninety, Revi one hundred, and Sig one twenty five. So I feel like pretty good numbers on all these guys value wise. Again, DFS looks like they'll all be pretty popular. So see how we go about things. But uh, some of them are pretty cheap prices. You can still get away with it. Just got to get different elsewhere. But overall, feel pretty good about the five guys that I've got. Look to add somebody maybe later in the week. One and done for me is Woodland. I got Sungjae and Thigala. If you had Finau or JT, this is the time, I think. Just again, JT's only got this in the Wyndham left. Also, if he plays good this week, uh, there's a chance he bails on his commit late commitment to the Wyndham just because I know it sounds like it's bad news to do that or, or like bad ethics, but not really. They, everyone knows what's up. He's just trying to get into the playoffs, trying to prove himself. So if he has a really good week this week, you would pick that up in one and done. And he may not be, you know, used next week, but hopefully you could use him in the playoffs. And I guess to say it that way, but you're, you're doubling down on that. So if you have Fina or JT, they're pretty low owned in the one and done. I would use them while you got them. All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Kendo VT. You can find my article on gupscorner.com. Use promo code Kenny. Save yourself 30% on a membership to Gups Corner. Tambo. Find me on x.com. I found out during the show it's now they're trying to change it to Zeting. X-E-E-T instead of tweeting. I think that is insane because, you know, tweet is just something people say. It's what they know. I wish it would all stay the same. It feels like it's we're very, very it. close to another word, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Zeding, skeeting, same shit, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we'll see, but I'm sure there'll be lots of good jokes on x slash twitter.com. We can still call it Twitter here, though. You can find me there at Totag and Tambo. The tidbits will still be out for this week. They'll be out for the Wyndham. Might cut them off after that. We'll see. The playoffs is always smaller fields, weaker event, like or sorry, not weaker, but smaller fields and weaker content because of that. You get all with it. So maybe not. 
for those weeks, but definitely at least these next two weeks, no problem. I'll be at the 3M Open for Saturday, Sunday. I already talked about I fly in Friday. I'll be there for the weekend on the 18th hole. So hit me up if you're there and I can find my way around. Still nursing the knee injury a little bit. So we'll see, but bring in the brace. I can, I, I will let you know your ass better wear some sunscreen because you look white as fuck now. Oh yeah, for sure. Got got to get my. Well, got to got to get 18, that. You still got the bald head going. Are you still no. rocking? Are you still rocking this? Okay, no, I thought you. I remember you had you used to have the shaved head. Oh, so we got I was a fresh like, fade. Oh. We'll be getting a haircut yeah. before we go down. Don't worry. Yeah, we'll go. be all good though. <laughs> all we'll right. take care of ourselves. We we know all about that. And then of course, shipitnation.com. If you haven't yet done so, now's the time. Join the nation. Go to shipitnation.com. Sign up. We've got MMA, MLB, PGA rounding out the season. Everything on the go with that. Some best ball stuff. And then, of course, NFL, NBA, NHL, right around the corner. We launched our projections for PGA this week. So PGA projections and projected ownership. So it's a good time to join the nation. Shipitnation.com. All right. That sounds good. You know, I'm a fan of this course. I'm a fan of this tournament. So it should be fun. Let's win some motherfucking money. EGen Nation. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.